Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. Good morning. It is Friday, July 29th. I'm Michael Guidry in for Desiree Frazier, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, the state's political leaders stump at the Neshoba County Fair, and the former owner of the Pink House responds to the post-Dobbs state of women's health care, and she outlines new efforts to help women seek reproductive choices. Plus, federal officials and prison reform advocates have been questioning conditions in prisons across the Gulf South. A Loyola Law School professor who is an expert on deaths in custody weighs in on what needs to change. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. The Neshoba County Fair turned in part into a victory lap yesterday. The stump speeches from a mainly Republican lineup were lined with the usual policy highlights and promises. But for many of the state's Republican leaders, the stump was where they could assert what they considered a major victory for the state. The U.S. Supreme Court's decision in Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Organization overturned Roe v. Wade. The opinion reversed the precedent that had established the right to an abortion. House Speaker Philip Gunn used his time to remind attendees the role Mississippi played in the landmark case. 2018, House Bill 1510 implemented a 15-week ban on abortion. That bill was challenged. It went into the federal judicial system. It made its way all the way to the United States Supreme Court. You now know it as the Dobbs case, and it overturned Roe versus Wade. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, you need to know that bill started in the Republican caucus of the Mississippi House of Representatives. These men and women over here had the conviction and the courage to cast that tough vote, to put that bill out there, and now abortion no longer exists in Mississippi. And the landscape of abortion has been changed in the country. Governor Tate Reeves, who presided over the Senate when the 2018 law passed, characterized the decision as, quote, righting a major wrong and celebrated the closing of the state's last abortion clinic. My friends, regardless of how the left would like us to feel about our faith and the practice of abortion, I'm proud to live in a state with people who believe in a culture of life. Republicans, Republicans, and even many Democrats in Mississippi recognize that we have righted a major wrong. There is no moral legal system that can require states to allow and promote the taking of innocent life. 
I'm proud to live in a state where people are not afraid to stand up and say that the killing of 63 million unborn Americans is not acceptable. I am proud to live in a state where the last abortion clinic's doors are closed and where our church doors were never closed. And Attorney General Lynn Fitch, whose office was tasked with representing the state at the Supreme Court, called the victory an opportunity to rise to the occasion of promoting life. June 24th, 2022 was a game changer for the state of Mississippi. And it is certainly inherent on us, all of us, to stand together, to be united, to empower these women, to protect those children, the born and the unborn. We must rise to this occasion. And I believe in Mississippi. I believe in all of us that we will rally together. We'll make adjustments. We'll make hard decisions because it's the right thing to do for Mississippi. These are our most vulnerable. They are our most vulnerable across our state. And it is on us to protect the most vulnerable. It's inherent of us to protect the sanctity of life. It's inherent of all of us to protect life. And as Mississippians, we know that. We know that's our heart. And now we know what we must do next. You know, they say that you can tell a true society by how they treat their most vulnerable. The promises to protect Mississippi's most vulnerable and promote life come while local and national officials call for a federal investigation into sprawling welfare fraud. Temporary assistance for needy families or TANF funds are federal dollars designated to help the most impoverished and underserved. An audit of the Mississippi Department of Human Services revealed millions of TANF dollars were funneled through the state agency and nonprofits and into pet projects of connected individuals. Most recently, former Governor Phil Bryan and the University of Southern Mississippi Athletic Foundation were implicated in connection to a volleyball complex desired by USM alumnus and former NFL quarterback Brett Favre. Still, Governor Tate Reeves is putting his faith in a network of nonprofit pregnancy centers to offer the resources pregnant Mississippians need to carry, deliver, and care for children. He says he's also counting on the generosity of others. We know who the real Mississippians are. We know what we stand for, and it's not the picture that the left and the media portray. I know that we are the most charitable people in the nation and always willing to lend a hand to a neighbor in need. Y'all, don't let them intimidate you or make you feel sorry about doing the Lord's work. Because, Because no matter how much mud they sling, Mississippi will never back down. We will never stop fighting for our traditional values, and we'll never stop fighting for our way of life. Last legislative session, lawmakers rejected a plan to extend postpartum Medicaid to eligible Mississippians. The state has some of the worst rates of maternal and infant mortality, and 
Speaker of the House Philip Gunn is standing firm in his position not to extend postpartum Medicaid in a state that now bans most abortions. He says he may reconsider if the Department of Medicaid says it supports postpartum coverage. I have said that it appears to me that uh, that is an expansion, but I could be wrong. They are the experts on the thing. So if I'm wrong, then I invite them to tell me I'm wrong. If they are, they're very aware of my position, and they have not told me that they disagree with that position. They have not issued any statement saying that they are for postpartum or that they support postpartum. And they are the agency that's supposed to be the experts on the matter. Gunn says he wants to form a commission of medical experts, adoption experts, and others to craft policy to assist mothers and children. Lieutenant Governor Delbert Hoseman has formed a study committee of senators to explore policy solutions to help mothers, children, and families. That group will begin hearings in September. Coming up, the former owner of the Pink House responds to the post-Dobbs state of women's health care and outlines new efforts to help women seek reproductive choices. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. If you're print impaired, MPB's radio reading service is here for you. Our dedicated team of volunteers bring the world of news and entertainment to you. For information and to see if you qualify, call us at 601-432-6301. Classical, jazz, indie, blues, folk, bluegrass, whatever you call your music. Find it on MPB Music Radio on mpbonline.org or the MPB Public Media app or on an HD radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I am Michael Guidry in for Desiree Frazier. The Pink House is closed, but for Diane Durzis, the work continues. Durzis decided to close the Jackson Women's Health Organization, the only abortion clinic in the state, this month after the Dobbs decision triggered a 2007 law banning nearly all abortions in the state. She tells our Desiree Frazier that women in search of reproductive choices, what women in search of reproductive choices are doing in a post-Dobbs world. You know, women are traveling all over this country. It's just beginning, and it's uh, an absolute tragedy that in this day and time, women are forced to seek medical care in this manner. Is there a capacity amount in terms of how women, how many women you can see at your facilities in these two places? We plan to be open as much as it takes to make sure women are seen. There are already um, waiting periods in Asheville, North Carolina uh, of three weeks. So clearly there are not enough facilities to see the women that are being forced out of their own state. Are you seeing uh, anti-abortion protesters at these locations? Uh, We have certainly seen the uh, protesters in... um, Las Cruces, in fact, many of them came from our fond state of Mississippi. <laughs> they followed us there. But, you know, that's um, that's part of doing business uh, these days. So we have no problem with that. We expect to have protesters in Virginia as well. I understand. I, I heard a story um on NPR, National Public Radio, about protesters, anti-abortion protesters, who um, some health care providers who provide abortions feel a little afraid of. There are some security issues. They feel like anti-abortion activists are becoming a little bit more aggressive, some of them. 
Do you have mm-hmm. that concern as well? You know, uh, Desiree, I've, 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 we are well aware of who these people are. As you know, I've been bombed, um, and I know who they are, and I know what they're capable of. But this goes along with doing abortions. Um, you know, hopefully they will. They're, they're winning, and as long as they're winning, I don't see them doing those kinds of violent acts. But if they do, that's just a risk that we take. Um, this the ability for a woman to have a medical procedure is paramount. And, you know, that's what we're here for, and that's what we're going to remain doing. Also, um, we're hearing reports of instances where physicians are reluctant and hospitals are reluctant to perform procedures for women who Mm -hmm. are having difficult pregnancies because of the laws that are being instituted in some states. That's what the Supreme Court has done. They have made it difficult for a woman who is carrying a wanted pregnancy to have medical care, and that is a disgrace. There was a woman in Georgia several weeks ago who had an ectopic pregnancy, and it took nine hours between the judge and the lawyer talking for her to receive care. In the meantime, it ruptured, and her abdomen filled with blood. That's a disgrace in 2022. Now, anti-abortion activists might say those cases happen, but they're rare in comparison to the abortions that occur on a regular basis. So, Well, you know why? That's because they care more about a fertilized egg, an embryo, a fetus, than they do about a living, walking around woman. And I think that statement says it loud and clear. That is the message. As women, we are nothing but a uterus. And I think that unless women start realizing this, we're going to see things worse, if they can get worse. It's always been a controversial issue, but now it's even more heightened. Do you see a point where... they are, their doctors are afraid what they're hearing. Today I saw that the uh, state of Texas has gone uh, after a law firm who was were paying for their employees to have abortions outside of the state, and they've threatened those lawyers with disbarment. You know, this is, if anyone needed to think how far these people were willing to go, I hope they're paying attention. I hope they're paying attention. Over time, do you see where, because Roe v. Wade has been overturned, that there will be some calming, a sense of calm over this issue? There's not going to be any calming because you're going to see women who have yet to travel. I mean, we're having minors travel with their parents. You know, you're having having what happens on a daily basis. Women do get pregnancy. Women don't want to carry that pregnancy. It's, It's just got... It's not going to calm down. It's only going to worsen because these protesters plan on following and leaving the state, the states that are now against abortion. They're planning on leaving there and going to states where it is still available. So it's there's no way it can get better, Desiree. There's no way. It can only worsen. They're coming after the birth control pills. They're coming after contraception because if 
if that fertilized egg is a person, that means the IUDs are illegal. That means the early low-dose birth control pills are illegal because they prevent implantation of that fertilized egg, i.e. the person. You know, people need to think about this. How do you get doctors to agree to work at the facilities? I heard an abortion, anti-abortion activist say that they were going to start going to the homes of physicians. Yeah, they've been going to doctors' homes for years, and they've followed their children as they come from school and threaten them. That's what the doctor who who performed an abortion on that 10-year-old, they're now after her threatening to kidnap her children. Um These are men and women who care about this issue and who understand what it means when a woman does not have the ability to terminate a pregnancy. So they have um, the following, the the oath they took when they became a physician. Um, They're very brave uh, people, and it may turn away some physicians, but also we're having doctors come out of retirement for this. And for you, how do you wrap your head around this? You've been dealing with it for years, but now that Roe v. Wade is overturned and you've left Mississippi, the clinic has closed and been sold. Mm -hmm. How do you wrap your head around what you're trying to do at this point? It's surreal that you think that in this country that everyone held up um, in admiration has done what they've done, and now we're just beginning, because you're only a month into this, we're just beginning to hear the stories, Um, and states are still closing, so take that into consideration. We haven't lost all 26 states yet, but when half the states in this country are gone, then you're going to have pandemonium, absolute pandemonium. Um, You do it because you believe in what you do. You know how important it is for these women. I've got someone that we've seen this morning. Her hands were shaking like a leaf that she thought that she was not going to be able to get to the clinic. You know, this, this, these are women's lives, women and their families' lives. Diane Derzis is the former owner of Jackson Women's Health Organization. She was speaking with our Desiree Frazier. Coming up, federal officials and prison reform advocates have been questioning conditions in prisons across the Gulf South. A Loyola Law School professor who is an expert on deaths in custody weighs in on what needs to change. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. We know you love MPB Think Radio to stay informed, but sometimes you need a little music to relax and unwind. MPB Music Radio has a variety of genres and is with you all the time on the MPB Public Media app, right on your mobile device. Bluetooth it in the car or pop in your earbuds and take a listen to MPB Music Radio. When you look at your vehicle, think of MPB. Need to get rid of your ride? Donate it by calling 877-MPB-4-CAR. Need to have some work done on your truck? Listen to AutoCorrect Thursdays at 10, Saturdays at 11. An MPB license plate reminds you that MPB is with you wherever you go. Go to your county office and ask for an MPB car tag. MPB and cars, better together. 
This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Michael Guidry in for Desiree Frazier. Recent deaths in prisons across the Gulf South have highlighted issues from staffing to health care to climate change. Gulf States newsroom reporter Bobby Jean Missick sat down with Loyola Law School professor Andre Armstrong, who is an expert on deaths in custody, to find out how they can be prevented. A quick note, Professor Armstrong took this call while on the road, so the conversation is a bit noisy at times. Professor Armstrong, right off the bat, I want to ask you, when you hear reports of deaths in jails and prisons, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? Staffing. Without a doubt, it is staffing. It is the most critical aspect of what jails and prisons provide in terms of services. Thank you. And in June at the New Orleans jail, the Orleans Justice Center, we saw two deaths in one weekend. One was of someone who was stabbed to death by a makeshift weapon, another of someone who committed suicide. And so Sheriff Susan Hudson called deputies stationed elsewhere back to the jail to help with staffing. How important is the ratio of staff to inmates in a jail setting? Yeah, the New Orleans jail and and several other jails in in the state are direct supervision. The tiers are designed such that you have to have a staff person both in the tier, but they also have an observation pod at the top uh, where there should be a person who is monitoring the cameras and the feed um, and is available there to call for emergencies. And so the system really relies on having people in the monitoring pod as well as on the floor of the tier. What the media reports indicate is that for the deaths in Orleans, uh, there were vacancies on the floor and there may have been vacancies in the monitoring station. Also at the East Baton Rouge jail, a local advocacy group was hearing that there was no air conditioning during one of the hottest times of the year. I'm just wondering how much you think about climate change and what the Gulf states should be doing to address temperature issues in jails and prisons. So I think the first thing to know is that people who are incarcerated are uniquely vulnerable to climate change, right? So you and I, when it's particularly hot, we are free to adapt. We can go to a cooling center. We have ready access to water, hopefully ice as well. So there's lots of things that we are free to do that they are not free to do, right? And in fact, if they do them, they can be punished with sanctions, including solitary confinement. But I think the second point that we have found is that as heat temperatures rise, so do the possibilities for self-harm. And we've seen higher rates of uh, conflict and violence when there are also higher temperatures, right? So what that means is that if we actually want to operate a safe and secure facility, we have to proactively manage the temperature inside of these facilities. I want to look at other parts of the Gulf South. Donaldson Prison in Alabama has seen 22 deaths so far this year. Deaths at Donaldson are projected to be higher than last year's count of 26 for the whole year. Are you seeing more incarcerated people die across the region? What we do know is that uh, in Alabama in particular, which you mentioned, there's been a significant um, number of violent deaths which nationally are about 2% 
of the deaths that occur in prisons and jails. Alabama is, is on the extreme end of that. Um, in Louisiana, uh, we have had uh, violent deaths, but they are a relatively small percentage of the overall deaths, according to the facilities. And I say according to the facilities because they are the primary determiners of what the cause of death is. So each facility will um, you know, create their internal investigation after a death. And uh, in files that we have collected here at Loyola, we have seen that some deaths that were in fact um, related to violent incidents were coded as either accidental deaths or as medically related deaths. Professor Armstrong, thank you so much for speaking with me. It was a pleasure. Thank you for having me. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.